Welcome back to the ACMS podcast. I am Joshua, your host. Today's guest is Brooklyn Smith. Brooklyn Smith is a native here from Pocatello, Idaho. It is amazing to hear her story when she was able to be working on civil projects with her dad's company on projects that made her fall in love with the industry to be more involved in construction on the management side. We get to hear the opportunity of some of the projects that she worked for Walt Disney and also as well the beautiful process of working on a temple project like Pocatello. It was lovely to hear these experiences because we get to hear and understand the procedures and how these temples are being developed and built for the millennium. It's awesome to also hear the balance between life and work and how we're able to understand the relationships within teamwork and one of the key factors that i enjoy hearing about her communication skills but at the same time knowing how to network with people i'm excited for this guest for you guys to hear do we get to hear all the experiences that she's been able to share with us in her career make sure that you guys are following us on instagram and you guys are getting all the updates from sister Macbeth's letter have you heard of what we do in the acms club probably no we have fun in a week and a half from now, we will be having an activity at Fat Cats. Yes, at Fat Cats. We will be having this activity for ACMS members because we have fun. Let me explain what we do at the ACMS club. We network with each other. We learn from each other, from the companies that come and visit us on campus or from the seminars that we have every week and also the opportunity to network with those companies. It is a huge opportunity to be learning from a lot of the colleagues from the committees here at the ACMS club. This activity is only for members for the ACMS club. So if you're not a member, make sure you sign up. We have plenty of activities that you can be part of like the activities committee, the podcast committee, probably a relationship, even the social media. So don't miss out because we have fun here at ACMS Club. Well, welcome back to the ACMS podcast. Today's guest is Brooklyn Smith. You guys are going to love this guest because she has a great background within the construction industry. Welcome, Brooklyn. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. Well, Brooklyn, I guess you are a native here of Idaho, correct? Yep, that's correct. Born and raised in Pocatello. Awesome. Something that I really loved of like your bio that you sent me and since a young age and you always have fell in love with the development process of construction and especially if it's civil or like commercial, you've always kind of like liked it from like a trade from your father, kind of building that relationship from like from your father's experience, but at the same time coming to yourself as well. How has like that helped you? Oh, that's been, uh, I think, the catalyst of everything for construction since I was in a car seat. I was going to work with my dad. So it's been a long time. And actually, when I interviewed with Disney, when I was graduating from school, they mentioned that part of the reason that I got the job with them is because I had that field experience and I knew what it was like. And as a project manager, I'd be able to relate better to those that are in the field because I know what it's like to work out there and know what it's like to have long lead times or not get the equipment or material that you need or, you know, kind of know what goes on day to day. And so that was one thing that really stood out to them and been the base, the foundation for my career. Yeah, I think like myself as well, like since I'm studying BDC, I don't have like no field experience. And I think a lot of like brother sessions and, you know, all the professors that here at school, they always suggest that you have a field experience first. That way you can get like a hands-on of like what it is to be on the field and manage a crew. When you have that or at an early stage, especially, you know, being in high school and knowing what you want to study exactly when you get to like BYUI, I think it makes a huge difference because it makes it more passionable what you want to study in general with the materials instead of like, you know, kind of finding what you want to study in that instance. But do you think in general that helped you a lot during your um, early stages here at BYU? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I would echo Brother Sessions. Any field experience that you can get will make you that much better, whether it's VDC or a project manager, and maybe especially VDC. You know, sometimes it's hard to, to visualize exactly what you're drawing on a computer. But if you've been out in the field and you experience it and you know the different sizes of materials, I think it'll just make you that much better in whatever field that you want to go into. Just enhances, it enhances that ability and that knowledge because it's, I think just being able to see it and do it and combine those together in your career makes you, will just propel you even further, being able to understand that. Yeah, and like you said earlier, I think that's the reason why, one of the principal reasons why Disney was able to hire you on because you had that field experience. But once you were um, able to like have that field experience working for your dad, company and also as well, you know, participating in some of the competitions. Were you able to participate in the competitions here? I I didn't actually. So that was that's actually one thing I regret. I didn't allow myself, you know, to put myself out there with other companies, but my plan was to work for my dad's company. And so I kind of shied away from that and just pinholed myself of, oh, I'm just going to work for my dad. But I wish I would have participated in those competition teams. I see that you were things that you were part of the ACMS and also as well basketball and tennis. Being like part of those clubs in sports, I imagine for like one of the things that when you're able to socialize more in like societies of like clubs and in, in sports, it makes you more, I think, to be able to network, but at the same time to be more able to understand the communications of like communicating with different types of people. But at the same time, put that in the field since you were saying like, like managing a crew because you have different personalities. So I imagine you can understand like the more you're socializing with different types of crews and different types of, um, you know, if it's like electric crew or the plumbing crew or like even, you know, framing crew, they have like a different type of language, the way that you would talk to them instead of like, you know, I think these kind of ways that you're able to participate in these clubs help. Have, did that help enhance being part of those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, any experience you can get just talking to other people and learning because you're always going to come across people that are difficult and people that are really easy to get along with. And um, having the experience to understand people and where they're coming from can really help you in your career. Sometimes you have to have those difficult conversations. And if you've never had to deal with people that you don't get along with all the time, it's going to be hard to have those negotiations, right? But if you can know how to manage and read a room and how to conduct those meetings, that helps a lot. And networking, of course, is a huge thing. That's actually how I got in with Oakland Construction was uh, via some networking. So you just never know who you're going to meet and how that's going to impact your life or their life. So don't shy away from opportunities to network and get yourself out there. Yeah, I think my last guess I just had was like take advantage of like of the school activities and resources because mm -hmm. you're able to have more connections and networking as well. And you never know who that one person would be able to reference you to another job or a bid for another client in that instance. So yeah. I think that you hit it. I think that's a key indicator there. So I kind of want to get in the process of like when you were at school, because I imagine like when you were at BYU and you're in the ACMS club. How was like your experience, like, uh, like being part of the club, but at the same time, being part of the program itself at that time? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I really liked being a part of the ACMS because it gave you opportunities to, again, network with other students that um, were in the program and not necessarily in my classes. And so I got a lot of exposure to a lot of people and to network and, and still keep in contact with many of those today, actually through Facebook or LinkedIn. And we did a lot of service opportunities um, while I was there too and getting out and doing service and helping the community was good practice because when you get into the industry as well, that's a big focus for a lot of companies. My company does um, a lot of that uh, type of humanitarian stuff and um, right in the community in Salt Lake and all of our main offices and 
it's a good opportunity also to get to know professors better. A lot of those, you know, a lot of professors will show up and, and pull them aside and ask questions. And, you know, it helps you kind of get a feel for where you want to go in your career by being able to have that, those connection points with others and uh, with professors. I think when you're able to like use, like I call the professors because they're full of archive of knowledge itself. Mm-hmm. And like for me, like when I like try to pick brother Sessions or brother uh, uh, McCabe or brother Walker, like their brain, like I just like they're I can see like there's just like, OK, here's this theory or here's this solution to this like, you know, problem. And, and they give you examples of like at their career, but so much of like how do they implement it into like a more relevant way of like the current industry as well. And I, I love the fact that they're able to do that. And it just shows how they're able to share their, you know, they're willing to share that experience. You just have to ask them. And I think when, you know, being in construction, you sometimes run into problems. And I think myself, I this semester or the past semester, I was having the issue of like understanding how to ask. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you don't understand a concept and it gets, I guess it could be like a little shy or like kind of like that may feel you stupid. Like, you know, if you're like, oh, you don't know that in that way. But mm-hmm. like, you know, not, you know, just not being afraid of ask, you know, and asking questions in the way that you understand the material, what you're going to build. But at the same time, like, how did that help you in your industry? How to ask or at the same time, even answer questions in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I really loved about BYU-Idaho is since it's a smaller campus, you have a greater opportunity to make those connections with your professors. They're more available. There's less students. And uh, so I, I tried to take advantage of that with professors, not even just in construction, but in other classes I had and just kind of pick their brain and learn from them. And it's a unique opportunity that BYUI has because other campuses are so large, you know, it's hard to make those connections. And I think when you're able to do those connections, you have more of, you know, you build a a relationship, but at the same time, you're able to like, you know, achieve more in the long run in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of want to get into the internships and I love the fact that you were able to work at an air base. Like, how was that experience working at Las Vegas Air Force Base? Like working like, you know, I imagine that's not some small project, but like that first internship that you had there, how was that experience? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty incredible, actually. So my dad was living in St. George at the time because he is in civil construction and specifically maintaining parking lots and paving roadways. And you can't really do that year round in Idaho, but you can in St. George. So he had moved to St. George and had gotten this uh, job at the Nellis Air Force Base in Vegas to crack seal over their parking lot, like the flight line where all their planes and jets and stuff take off. And so we had to procure this specific fireproof material because when those jets light up, you know, it produces a lot of heat. And so we were right there on the flight line and got to take off or got to watch all of those jets take off. So that was a pretty incredible opportunity. And then just to work with my dad and help him manage a crew. It was a smaller crew of like four people, but it was two weeks, Monday through Friday and working through there. And they had a special safety course that we had to go through and take and get the special badges. And then once we did that, we were able to start our work there. Incredible opportunity, exposure to just see how it's done differently. Because in Idaho, we don't necessarily have to go through all of the guidelines that we had to go through with the military sitting down in that hour safety class and having the badges and checking in and out every day and so it's it a great experience to get that exposure just of the high security and you know construction projects are different wherever you go you know you'll be on one project one year and then the next year you go to somewhere else and that owner and may want 
you know, to be more specific with their finishes and everything has to be perfect. And other clients are like, no, just get it done. Go, go, go. And so variety and everything that you do in construction. I imagine working like for a government project, it's, there's a lot more procedures and, you know, mm-hmm. in like the whole process of even bidding for that project as well can be a different way of like, you have to demonstrate a lot more, I guess you could say licenses and certifications that you're able to take these jobs on. And like when you have like the experience to work on different types of projects, it gives you more exposure, like you said, and understanding different concepts of construction or engineering as well. Mm -hmm. When you're able to maintain a crew, like it sometimes can be a little challenging because, you know, when you're like young (laughs) and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess addressing these older folks or older guys or or gals as well, what's it called? How is that like at first, is that intimidating at first or what's the challenging of that you overcoming to like, you know, how to build a relationship with that crew member or lead Mm -hmm. crew member as well? Yeah, I think, you know, it is intimidating it's easy to be intimidated especially when you think oh well I'm just in college I've never done this before and here I am trying to manage three or four people who've been in this industry for years but you know you kind of have to set that aside and you know I think it takes time to learn about each individual like asking them about their families asking them about themselves rather than just expecting them to respect you and you know understand and so that's what I would do I would take the time to get to know each one of them individually and earn that respect and not have the mentality of, oh, well, here I am in charge of this crew. You have to listen to me. Like, that's not a good way to go about it. So that was just kind of, that was the approach that I took is uh, leading, but also not being afraid to jump in and do the work that they're doing as well. Right. Cause I don't want to ask anyone to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I would help manage those crews and I'd be out there working right alongside them and we'd joke and laugh. And that's where those relationships are built. If you're stuck in the office all day and not working on those relationships, it's, you know, it's a little harder, I think, for both sides. So I take the time to get to know um, those people that you're working with and and learn from them too, right? Because they're the experts and don't be afraid to ask those questions that you need and where the trust is earned. Well, I think that's really key. Like actually, you know, making sure that you get to know them because, I like, you know, those guys are, or um, gals have been working in the field for like, you know, 40 or 20 years. And then they have like a lot of experience within the field work or it is, it is. That's awesome. So I, you graduate in 2013 and mm-hmm. you start working for uh, Walt Disney in 2000 of January of 2014. So how okay. can you want to go through the process of like the interview process and kind of like how you felt, but at the same time, like what resources did you use from school? But at the same time, like what you did to like kind of feel more confident in yourself that, you know, I got this. Yeah. uh, So that's kind of an interesting story. So like I said before, I was just planning to work for my dad. And then I served my mission in Florida and fell in love with the place. And so I came back and had one year left of school and talking to a friend. And this is probably three or four months before I graduated and was starting to feel like, man, maybe I don't want to work for my dad. I don't want to do all this manual labor for the rest of my life, you know, (laughs) I'd rather go the project manager route more than a superintendent. So talking to a, a friend of mine, and he said that Disney does construction management internships. And so there's that where that networking comes into key, right? He was a mechanical engineering degree, but um, he's one of my good friends. And so it's because of him that I got the idea to even apply for Disney. And since they're so competitive, I didn't think that they'd even give me a second look. You know, they just see my resume and pass it on down the road. But to my surprise, they did call me back and said that they wanted to interview me. So I got a phone call a few days after that initial one and uh, the project, the construction manager. So Disney has 
a construction management team and a project management team, and they work together. And so the construction manager of the project I would be working on called me and interviewed me for probably 30 minutes. And it was more of a conversation and him telling me his stories and me telling him of my experience. He didn't really ask a ton of the typical interview questions, I guess you could say, but it was, we built a rapport there. It was a good conversation. And then after that, he sent me to his project, the project manager to talk to him. That was a couple of days later. And so I interviewed with him and it was still kind of the same thing. He asked me a little bit more though about my construction experience and background and why I'm passionate about construction, which I thought was an interesting and unique question. And then from there, um, they told me to uh, just look out, you know, for an email and that they'd like to make me an offer to work for Disney. So that's, that's kind of how that came to be. I wasn't expecting or planning at all to work for Disney. Um, just fell into my lap through a friend's recommendation. Um, so that's how I ended up working for Disney. Wow. And I see like what your, your bio, when you, you sent me your email that you worked on bungalows, you worked on what's it called? Like basically overseeing the studio volcano Bay water park, like on several, several projects because, you know, you know, they, since it's in house, right they have a lot of projects and, you know, rebuilding or even like reconstruction of like some of their themes, like what would be some of the most, I guess you could say uh, challenging projects that you had um, at Disney? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So I would say, so that first one with the Polynesian Village Resort, we had 20 bungalows that we had to build out over the water. And there were also some longhouses that we renovated. So I think we have about 13 longhouses and we renovated three of them. And then they have this little courtyard that's surrounded by longhouses. So it's a square and there's longhouses on either side. And we had to build this pool in the middle of this courtyard surrounded by all of these longhouses that were occupied by guests, paying guests. And so that was a really big logistical issue. So we had to have gates and then fancy fencing scrim is what they call it, a decorative scrim that we put up. And we couldn't start work until 9 a.m. And we had to stop at 6 p.m. And that was because that was for the guests. I mean, Disney is all about their guests. They want them to have the best experience ever. And so we couldn't do any loud work until 9 a.m. And be very respectful because we were in a fishbowl. People from the top level could look right down in and see what we were doing. And so um, that was one thing that we had to manage as well is, look, we had to tell all of our crews on site, you have to be aware people can watch you. Like you can't swear, you can't smoke on site. We had porta potties somewhere off site. Um, so they couldn't be seen by guests. And so that was a big logistical challenge trying to get big equipment in there too. And we had to hire uh, just full-time security to be there to open up the gates when we needed to bring material in and then close them again when we were done. Because people are curious, you know, if there's a gate left open, they're going to want to go inside and see what's going on. (laughs) So there were just a lot of measures and precautions that we had to take to ensure the safety of the guests and of those who are working on site. Well, I imagine it was really dense in general, like with all the logistics that you had, had to do there. Mm-hmm. And another project that really called my attention is the 9,600 yard concrete pour that you guys did with seven pumps. Like how, how was the logistics on that procedure for that roller coaster pour? Uh, so the, so by the time I'd gotten there, all of the logistics for that to happen had already taken place because I was just finishing up on another project before I got moved there. But I mean, it took a lot of time. There were probably six meetings that we had that were each an hour and a half long, just about safety alone and how we were going to do that. And we, we had commit committed 
from the local fire department and the local, the ambulance is going to be there as well, that whole 24 hour period. And they were good, just going to come and shift. So it took coordination on that part. And then we talked safety and proper PPE to be worn and who would take shifts because we can't expect someone to work a full 24 hours. And so we divvied that all up and I had the, the midnight to 6 a.m. shift. And then another crew would come in and, uh, you know, take the 6 a.m. to noon shift. And so that's kind of how we broke that up. And we had to plan for seven pump trucks to be there and call four different batch plants to bring us concrete. And the furthest one was about an hour and a half away. And then we had to coordinate. So you have to do you know, the test on the concrete. And so they determined that every 20th truck, I believe, had to be tested. And so they had people from our team divided up and we would help make sure that those tests took place every 50, every 20 trucks, truckloads. And so there was just, there was tons of coordination efforts. We had to bring in big stadium lighting and rent that. And it was, it was a huge effort, but a 9,600 9, pour that we did continuous in about 24 hour period. Wow, that is amazing. I can, oh my gosh, man. I just, for me, like, you know, just communicating with the batch plants and making sure that the trucks and making sure that the slump for the, the concrete is correct. That doesn't have that much water. You know, the aggregates are everything correct on the mix. Like it's just, it's just amazing how like you're able to pour that much concrete on like a set amount of time with, a, you know, with different types of crews every, like every 12 hours or every eight hours. It's just amazing. The, the way of like the whole industry of construction or engineering or architectural is how, when you like are participating in these crews or teams to make sure that these roller coasters or, you know, bungalows or buildings are staying there for the next, like, you know, 50 or hundred years is it just demonstrates how, we're able to continue on the elevation of, of construction, but at the same time, like the efforts that go into this, like if the guys like, you know, finishing concrete, but at the same time, the guys are participating on the art or the design of the roller coaster or yourself even managing as well. Mm -hmm. It just shows like how efficient it is when we're able to work together as a team. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the key, right? You have to be able to work together with others as a team and come together and, you know, maybe understand that your viewpoint might not be hundred percent correct and listening to feedback, because when you work with others, that's when all these amazing things can come together. If you're doing everything by yourself, it's a lot harder and, you know, might not be the best result. I just love the fact that now you, I think you're the first guest that I know that's been able to work actually arm actually worked on the temple too, but no, I think it was a chapel, but I think you're the first guest I know that actually has worked on a temple. How's that like process and that the whole procedure of working on the temple. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> if we condense it, that'll be, that'll be great. That, as much as you can. No, um, being part of a temple is one of the best experiences I've ever had in my career. Um, so when I worked for Disney, it was a very harsh environment. A lot of really crass jokes and swearing all the time. That's all I heard. Uh, you know, it's construction. It's to be expected, right? So I, I left Disney and I moved back back home. And started working on the temple it's actually written in the contract that no profanity on the job site and i've never seen that anywhere i don't know of anyone other than the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints having that written into their contract so that alone was like a huge difference because now when i'm on the job site you don't hear that there's more respect that's given to the temple and 
the contractors recognize that. I had a lot of people come up to me and say, this building's just different. And they're not members of the church. So they don't know exactly what goes on inside the temple and the significance of it. But they can feel that as they're building it. They know it's different than just a hospital or a school. So there's that. And then we have our OAC meetings. That's our meeting with the owners and the architects where we give them schedule updates and talk through some issues that we have. And that meeting starts with a prayer once a week. And we have the unique opportunity for the community members to bring food and to bring treats for us once a week. And a lot of them write notes with that. Um, and that's unique as well. I've never had that on any project I've been on. And then just the care that they take into making sure that this building can last through the millennium because they're not building temples just to build them. They want to make sure that they can last through the millennium and the materials that they get and the colors and the time that they take. So once the temple is announced, the church and the architect will come out to that site and they'll, they'll research the, the, the town, they'll research the local flowers, you know, the local, like local things that grow there. And then they'll try to implement, implement that into the temple. And so, for example, the Pocatello Temple, the syringa flower is everywhere. And that's Idaho State flower. And then um, if you look at the architecture, if you go down to ISU's campus or to Pokey High School, they incorporated a lot of those architectural elements into the temple. So they want to make it feel like it's your temple and like it fits in. And so they really take all that time and effort um, into making sure that it, that it feels that way. And it's not just a cookie cutter temple that's personalized for you. Wow, that's beautiful. I think it just shows like the craftsman's work of like of professionalism when it goes to these kind of dedicated buildings that will be here for the millennial temples. And just for me in general, like like when you explain the difference with it, you can just feel like the way that you express it just different. And I love the fact that when we're able to participate, my goal would be to participate in the, on a project on a temple like this and have that same experience that you had and how you're able to be connected more by something that symbolizes so much in our personal lives as well. But it mm -hmm. helps other people understand like the different feelings like, wow, this is like, this is not the same. This is not normal, you know, because, <laughs> right. you know, this is something like uh, of like holiness of holiness. For me, like when you were able to like, you know, have so much work like this and, it, you know, it's like you said, it's a, it is the construction in industry has a lot of work and it can be stressful. How is that like you're able to handle like work and family, like the balance between both of them? It's mm -hmm. a great question. I think that's something that's a major focus too for a lot of companies is they're realizing that their employees are being burned out. And when you're burned out, you're not as effective at work. You're not as effective at home. So I think where it starts is with your project team. You need to have that good relationship. And I experienced that on this project here with the temple. We were all about that work-life balance. And we would rotate who would work late each night. And so we had, my project manager came from out of town. So Monday through Wednesday, he would work late. And then I would work late Thursdays. And my superintendent would work late Friday. So it didn't feel like it was always falling on the superintendent because a lot of times that happens. And then we'd also work Saturdays. And so we'd rotate that and we ended up maybe working one Saturday a month, which is a lot better than working every single Saturday. And I think that's unique. Maybe not every company does that, but that's what Oakland focuses on. And my team in particular, we made sure that we had that time with our families and that you didn't have that guilt. If you were going to be gone on a week or so long vacation, that you would know that the project is still in good hands and you wouldn't have to worry about it. 
we communicate a lot. We have daily huddles saying, okay, this is what I'm doing today. And this is what I need help on. And I'm going to be gone next week. So if you can help me with this, that would be great. And so if you're not worrying about work when you're on vacation, you can spend all of that time focused on your family where it should be. And that's where you get re-energized so that you can be a better employee and you can you know, work better for, for the company you work for and ultimately for the client. Wow. That's amazing. I think you guys have an amazing dream team there. I think yeah. when you're able to, I think that's, it starts, like you said earlier, like building that relationship and that communication with your team, it just demonstrates how you're able to build that trust. But at the same time, that loyalty within having authentic relationship in the way that you can trust your teammate to go have that day off or at the same time to be at work and, you know, take that big load of work and you're able to relax your family. Some of the core values that we learned here at school is like, you know, trust, being authentic, being kind to like the projects that you do. And I think these uh, attributes that we learn from church or we learn at school or from our family, it demonstrates that we're able to build them into our team, but at the same time into the projects that we are able to, you know, complete. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I think that, that for me, that's the first time I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be the last question. And I like to ask this to all the alumni that have been here at BYU or any other school. If you were a freshman or a sophomore here at BYU, BYUI, what would be something different that you would do in general to like, you know, that you have learned already everything so far that you would do, implement different as a freshman or sophomore? You already said that about the competition. I see that, but it could be something else if you'd like to share. Good question. So I would say definitely get involved with those competition teams. I'm now on the recruiting team for BYU-Idaho and went to Reno last year and saw how much the students grow and how much they learn through those competitions. And I felt like I really missed out on that. And to be honest, I was a little anxious about doing that because it was unknown. And so my advice to my younger self would be, would be to don't let what scares you keep you from doing it. I'd go and I'd jump in and be fully invested in that. Um, I would have been more involved probably with ACMS. I think I didn't take it too serious, especially as a freshman and sophomore, but I would have done that and also gotten more involved with the career fairs because I did so much short a little bit by just expecting to work for my dad. And so I didn't go to those career fairs and get to meet um, and mingle with those companies that I was really interested in. It ended up working out for me, but I definitely would have started a lot a lot earlier, going to the career fairs, making those connections, following up, um, and doing more things to help further my career and network. Awesome. I think that's, you hit it right in the nail. I think that's a key indicator that, you know, that we take advantage of the resources, especially the competitions. And for me, I'm actually excited to be there in February. So it'll be time participating in it. Awesome. Yeah. But I really appreciate your time, Brooklyn. And thank you very much for, you know, sharing your experiences and your knowledge about the industry. And I guess I'll see you in February. <laughs> Let's hope so. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate this opportunity.